Howdy, folks. Bob Noxious, drunk Noxious, back again from the beach. Beach Noxious. Ooh. Legs are a little tense today, so. These George Floyd protests, we need to understand something. I get it. There's racial problems in America. But this isn't the 1960s, folks. Police aren't turning water cannons on, on, on black people. They're not. You can sit there up on your high horse and, and you can black out your profile picture to show solidarity. Um, that's all fine. I'm not going to do it because I'm not a slave to fads, but the murder was obviously disgusting. You don't, he, he could have put his knee on the dude's like arm, uh, on his knees. Uh, they could have, you know, restrained him. He's got, or put him in handcuffs, throw him in the back of the truck, you know? You don't have, putting your knee on someone's neck is, uh, you do that as a last resort. And the man was clearly not. I get that. I'm not stupid, and not only that, I am human. I know a lot of you out there think I'm a heartless monster. George Floyd was murdered. There is no debate. As was that fella down in Georgia. What my problem is... <clears throat> is that when Martin Luther King um, stood up against violence against African-Americans in the 60s, I, I, I don't remember him. I, there are quotes that are people throwing up there on whatever, on Facebook. Yes, he wrote that, but you know, he didn't practice what he preached there, did he? I don't remember MLK once ever instructing his, his, his uh, fellow protesters with him to destroy businesses burn down post offices. That sounds more like Malcolm X. <clears throat> MLK didn't. He walked, arm in arm, peacefully. Ask John Lewis, you know, Representative John Lewis, he was there. Ask Bernie Sanders, he was there too. Bernie Sanders should know better. Oh, Bernie wasn't there? Bullshit. Look up Bernie MLK. Alright, argument over. <clears throat> I'm going to tell you a story. man by the name of Publius Claudius. <laughs> Who is Publius Claudius? He is one of a long line of Roman patricians back in the Republic. Oh, Jesus Christ, here we go again. Claudius was felt stymied 
he was a populist. He thought that the poor should have everything. Or that he stood up and said the poor should have everything because he, I guess he liked popularity. Um, it's very popular to say that. Shoot, I could be prom king just by changing my Facebook picture to a black picture. Claudius realized he could have ultimate power if he became plebeian tribune. The tribune of the plebeians, the tribune of the plebs, which was a very powerful office. It had the veto power, I forbid. Uh, the veto power over the Senate. Any one of 12 tribunes at that time, the, the, it had, the size of the amount of tribunes varied from age to age. By that time, they're about five to twelve. We don't really, I, I could, we're not going to that. <clears throat> so he decides he wants to become tribune of the plebs. The problem is, patricians can't be tribune of the plebs because patricians aren't plebs. That was the agreement uh, that had been made in the uh, conflict of the orders and the secession of the plebs 200 years prior. Sorry, 400 years prior. So, uh, due to some uh, shenanigans by, on the behalf of his benefactors, Marcus Licinius Crassus, uh, the famous uh, wealthy man of Rome who would die at Carre, and of course his other benefactor, Gaius Julius Caesar, who rigged a Senate vote to change Claudius from a patrician to a plebeian. Now he can't maintain the name Claudius if he's a pleb, so he changed his name to Publius Clodius Pulcher, or Pulcher. Why is this important? Because as soon as Clodius becomes a pleb, he runs for tribune, bribes everyone, becomes tribune. Alright, that's great. Tribunes are only electable for a year. What happens at so great? No, it's not great. Because in that one year, Clodius basically starts an insurrection. He starts a riot all over Rome. Buildings are being burned. People are running in fear. And he has gladiators marching around the city with swords. Terrorizing anyone who might oppose him. Now at this time, Caesar is in Gaul. He doesn't really care at this point. He's doing this to piss off Cicero. Because Cicero had defamed Claudius. And... He thought this would be a great way to get back at Cicero for being uncooperative and his and Pompey and Crassus's hidden triumvirate, the first triumvirate. So Caesar and, and, and Pompey and Crassus thinking that Cicero's getting in the way of the triumvirate, the secret agreement between Pompey, Cicero, and Crassus, uh, Gnaeus Pompeius Magnus being Pompey, uh, Pompey the Great, <coughs> They decided to go after Cicero. And they didn't go after him directly because that would be unbecoming of patrician men. They'd rather do it through a proxy. And what better way than the dumb idiot Publius Claudius? The guy was a moron. But he whips up a fervor so bad that literally Rome is literally under occupation by Claudius's, Claudius's gladiators. The Senate doesn't know what to do. Caesar's in Gaul. He doesn't give a crap. And Pompey he's wavering because he doesn't want to call down a legion uh, to the city 
because that's just bad press. You, you don't want to be the guy who calls in the legions into Rome. Legions aren't allowed into Rome unless under an emergency. And this isn't really an emergency. They're just gladiators, and they're only threatening people Clodius doesn't like. So Pompey's perspective, who cares? And Crassus, he loves it because he's making money off the whole thing. More than likely. We don't know. There's no proof. But I'm just going off my own intuition on it. But Clodius, he gets emboldened. When it's over, his gladiators don't go away. They continue to follow him around. And finally, Pompey's had enough. Uh, Pompey's beginning to turn on Caesar. Um, he won't do so just yet. He's still married to Caesar's daughter. And I think at the, by this point, they're seeking a child. But Pompey's not going to put up with Clodius anymore. The, the fun's over. I mean, it's great to go after Cicero every once in a while because the guy's a dick. Um, but <clears throat> it's getting a little... Pompey gets threatened. And Pompey says, I've had enough of this. So he enlists one of his friends, Titus Anius Milo Papianus, or we'll just call him Milo or Milo. Milo is kind of, uh, he's not exactly a big dog. He's a backbencher looking to rise up and Pompey is friends with him. Um, And Milo, Milo, has an idea. Why don't we fight fire with fire? Why don't we get armed thugs and armed gladiators, you know? And Pompey scratches his face and says, okay, just don't make a mess of it. And Milo says, oh, too late, Pompey. We're already in the mess of it. It's already a mess. So Milo starts attacking Clodius's men. Milo's men attack Clodius, Clodius's men attack Milo's, and it becomes basically a gladiatorial civil war in the middle of Rome, on the streets, bloodshed everywhere. Shops get looted. There's records of rapes and attacks and, and people being threatened. All because of the grain gold. They can't push forward the Gracchan reforms. Uh, the Gracchi brothers uh, were 50 years earlier, had, or no wait, had about 180 years beforehand been assassinated for pushing through the same thing Clodius wants, Caesar wants, Pompey is on the fence, and Crassus doesn't really give a crap. I mean, it would hurt his bottom line. But for him, from his perspective, he'd make money off of the deal because he owns a lot of land in Italy. So he, the state's buying back his land. He'll come back three years later and rebuy it back. Crassus is, is money interested. He, he he's about as he's about obsessed with money as anyone you could ever think of. <clears throat> so Pompey starts funding Milo. And some people think Caesar is funding Clodius. Uh, we don't have proof of either, but we do know that Milo and Pompey were became very good friends during this period. As Pompey is trying to restore order in Rome, uh, 
after the after the in the aftermath of the Catalanian Catalanarian conspiracy with Cataline, as well as dealing with all sorts of problems. You know, the growing agitation between Cato and and the traditionalists against the Caesarian faction that is growing. Cato's complete uh, disgust with Caesar, uh, calling his uh, little war, as he calls it, his little war in Gaul, uh, being an, a, a, a tyranny, uh, a, a genocide, illegal warfare, which to the Romans they really did care about, illegal warfare. Uh, Caesar had raised, raised legions without the Senate's consent. Now they had eventually consented, but after the fact. And Cato has no love for Caesar, Cato the Younger, Marcus Porcius Cato, uh, he, he's no friend of Caesar's, never has been, the guy hates Caesar. He's a stick-in-the-mud, old-fashioned, old fart, who thinks that if Rome just goes back to the way things were 200 years ago, that we'd all be great. Uh, he's essentially what we today would call a uh, conservative. I hate Cato. Like I, 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 I wish I could find something I like about him, but there's nothing I can find. Like Cicero, I, I have times where I really don't like Cicero. The guy could be grating, but Cicero has a lot of amazing qualities. His oratory, his understanding of law, his his understanding of the fact that the Republic died 30 years ago, and that he's trying to restore order from 30 years ago. This isn't just Cicero, you know, um, Marcus Tullius Cicero, or Cicero as we call him in English, uh, is a Roman statesman. He was consul during the year of the Catalinarian Conspiracy. He had Cataline strangled, as well as a couple other conspirators, and he paid the price for it down the road. <clears throat> now Cicero gets banished during this time period because Clodius's men are able to force through a, a banishment. Uh, he, he pays off a lot of the plebs, and the Senate at this point is looking, hey, if we banish Cato for a couple, for a year, as soon as Cato goes, as soon as uh, Clodius goes home, after his year's tribune, we can come back and invite Cicero back. And Cicero hops on a cart and heads out of the town, because he, he, can, he can read the writing on the wall pretty strongly. He, he probably invented the word. Um... <laughs> So where am I getting that with all these facts of the past? Well, folks, I don't know if you noticed this, but 140 cities in the United States are under siege. From populist agitators looking to, to, to justify their looting under the guise of racism. That, that a black man was killed by a white police officer and that that is a problem going on in our country and so they're using the emotional frenzy everyone's become emotional these days everyone's all like I'm emotionally available yes but in the frenzy of emotion they cut the king's head off you know human beings we claim to be civilized but the minute anyone's emotional anger tips the scales of logical control. Uh, they turn into rabid hyenas. Um, anyone who disagrees with them, especially on the left, are considered pigs.
to be slaughtered for ham. If you don't agree 100% purity, which I've already talked about purity, purity is for virgins. Um, if you want to live your life pure and chaste, then um, be a virgin, because that's the best way to be pure and chaste. Uh, I have no love for anyone who's a pure conservative or a pure liberal. To me, you sound like someone who's never had sex, uh, and that's probably true. Purity is for children. There's no such thing as purity. Purity is something created by humanity. But in uh, their quest for purity, you have to toe the bottom line no matter how stupid it sounds. And over time, people think it's less and less stupid because now they fit in. I'm part of a group. They like me. You know, at this point, I really don't care if anyone likes me. Heck, for about a year and a half, I made this podcast and no one listened to it. So this is really just for me. To get this off my chest so I'm not ranting and raving at myself for days on end. I'm bored. And I want to record my boredness for posterity. Record that I'm bored. <clears throat> so what was that Roman thing about? Well, you know, uh, this ain't new, folks. Everyone seems to think that because it's a modern day, everything's new. And this is the first time it's ever happened. There, There's no such thing as new anymore. It's all remakes and remasters and remixes everything's re re everything's re these days there's no mix there's no make there's no master there's just remix remake remaster you don't have to conquer anything you don't actually have to form artistic talent you just take what someone else did and um take part A and put it at the end and take part Z and put it in the middle and take part C and put it towards the back and you just rearrange it. It's like William S. Burroughs, the cut and paste mechanic, which was invented in the 50s. Sorry about that, that's the Blue Angels going to take care of the protesters. Do you think you're solving anything by burning down Target and stealing Legos? That's a question. What are you accomplishing? We're standing with African Americans. Okay, well, I've been doing that my entire life. How does looting Target add to that? That's my big question. Because you're saying it, but you're not thinking it through. Which is what someone with an intellect would do. They would think it through before they do it. Okay, so I'm going to rob the target. We're going to burn down Bank of America. And then we'll set fire to the police station. And then I'll punch a cop in the mouth. Oh my god, racism, it's over. Alright guys, we solved racism. Have a good night. <laughs>